Welcome or welcome back to Lift You Up, inspiring health stories. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham. I'm the founder and chief storyteller of TB Media Group. But for the purpose of this podcast, I am your health and happiness matchmaker. Now, before I introduce you to today's guest, you know what I'm going to ask you to do if you haven't already, hit subscribe on YouTube, turn on those notifications, and please connect with me on LinkedIn because I'd love to stay connected with you. Today, you are going to meet an inspiring, amazingly smart woman. Her name is Dr. Christy Funk. She is a board-certified breast cancer surgeon and physician who's known for working on celebrities like Angelina Jolie and Sheryl Crow. We're talking all about prevention, you know, things that we can do that are in our control to help prevent cancer from starting, specifically breast cancer. And she's also a big advocate of plant-based eating. And we're talking about the science, data, and numbers behind that. Our physical, mental, and emotional health is not just a want, it is a need for happy lives and prosperous businesses. Lift You Up is the podcast where we share inspiring health stories from business owners who are fulfilling their purpose to live their healthiest lives and helping you do the same. From former TV reporter to marketing entrepreneur and content creator, I care about sharing stories that matter and stories that connect us. I'm your host, Tamika Bickham, your health and wellness matchmaker. Well, today I'm so excited to welcome to the show Dr. Christy Funk. And of course, I'm going to have you tell us all about you, but a couple highlights. You are a breast cancer surgeon and physician, best-selling author, international keynote speaker, and also a highly sought-after TV personality. And I know you um, show up on Good Morning America, The View, The Doctors, and other places as well. So welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here. (laughs) I want to start by you sharing a little bit about your journey, your path, your story, and why you ended up deciding to go into medicine. So my pathway (laughs) begins in the middle of the night. I was studying for this neurobiology final, like literally the hardest class at Stanford that I ever took in my life. This was such a hard final that I pulled my first all-nighter in my whole life. It was the very end of my sophomore year. And it wasn't audible, but it was a knowledge that just overtook my thoughts and like my whole being. And it simply said, you're going to be a doctor. And I was like, huh, maybe I'll marry a doctor. <laughs> I don't think so. Like I was on a path of psychology and drama and I wanted to do like psychodrama with kids, which was like a burgeoning field that really didn't exist. So anyway, that was my master plan, but it wouldn't leave my head. And I really tried to dismiss it. I took my final the next day. I thought maybe I was just cookie tired. And two days later, I was on a plane to Africa, to Kenya, where I was had already planned to spend the whole summer, 12 weeks as a short-term missionary. And so I was out in the bush um, teaching religion to kids through an interpreter. And um, that was how I spent most of my days, but with all these kids all the time. And I couldn't speak their language, but we had this bond and it was so fun. And I'll never forget, it was a literal moment where I was sitting in a circle on the ground in somebody's dung hut, and I was making them laugh because all of their moms could carry like a mountain of food or buckets of water on their head and like jog 10 miles without dropping anything. Mm -hmm. So I had put all these potatoes, well, like two potatoes on my head because I was trying to make them (laughs) laugh, which was very successful because I couldn't even (laughs) do that. um, So as they were laughing, boom, it just hit me like, 
you know, you have to listen to that voice. Health matters so much and disease in all of its various forms steals, robs, and kills people of joy. And you're gonna follow this path. So I did it. I uh, changed all my classes at Stanford to be pre-med. I had to take an extra year afterwards to finish some physics and whatever. And then I did med school and it was in med school. First day of clinical rotations, first thing I did was trauma. And I was just in love with surgery, with the immediacy of here's a problem, I can fix it. And from there, I did my surgical residency in Seattle. And even then, I'm glad I didn't know I was doing breast surgery because quite frankly, a little inside scoop, breast surgery, especially, this was 1996, um, was kind of considered easy. Like, oh, you became a surgeon and you're just a breast surgeon? Like, I can get your chest cracked open and your heart on bypass in 25 minutes and now I'm just a breast surgeon. So you worked so hard in residency, it was before there were hour restrictions. So I was like literally 110 hours a week, hardly any sleep. And I am glad that I never knew what I was going to do because I was all in in every rotation. Like I really wanted to understand colorectal surgery and I really fell in love with the esophagus. So I came back to LA specifically doing a fellowship in what's called minimally invasive surgery. I never really learned it and I knew that was the future of surgery, so I went into a fellowship at Cedar sinai Medical Center. And the oh-so-talented Ed Phillips, who was running that uh, department, also ran the breast center. And it was newly formed, it was just a couple years old. It was run by five men over 50. They desperately needed estrogen over there. <laughs> and they'd scoured the country apparently and couldn't find anyone. So they're like, yeah, I guess Christy will do. So he offered me the position of being um, the director of the breast center at Cedar sinai And at first I was like, I'm not doing breast, because I still had that like old, like tough guy attitude of like, Psh, breast surgery is easy. easy. But I'll tell you, I went through, he's like, no rush, um, just make up your mind by Friday, for real. <laughs> and um, <laughs> I was like, you know what? I have to take a minute to settle down and pray and like really soul search, because I'm coming at this from complete angle of pride, like breast surgery. That's beneath me, it's too easy. And that was a big week for me because I realized that it's not just breast surgery to any woman who has breasts. And I was given on a silver platter the opportunity to dive deeply into an organ and all of its pathology and problems that women and men care deeply about. And I took something that might have been dismissed as not complex enough and I made it complex. I made it multifactorial and really interesting. So I was pushing the envelope and I just dove in and have had the time of my life these last 20 years. Wow. Fast forward to now, and you said, this is what you've been doing 20 years. Tell me about where you are now in your career. When I, I did take a position as a director of patient education at Cedars, um, Cedar sinai um, in 2002, and that lasted till 2009 when my entrepreneurial husband and I birthed the Pink Lotus Breast Center. But accidentally, or unbeknownst to us, um, we literally opened doors on March 23rd, 2009. And if you would like to Google the Dow Jones graph, you will widen mm -hmm. that and see that bing, it was literally the absolute nadir of worldwide financial collapse. Oh, wow. So I had taken on an eight year, $50,000 a month lease in an 8,000 square foot space that had two operating rooms, I built an imaging center. I um, had solicited three surgeons to join me. 
and but it was my place and my lease. And when we opened doors within a month, all those surgeons, they were like, yeah, we're not coming. Like, it's all too scary and uncertain. And I'm just going to stay here and where I know I'm making my money, um, you know, because they're salaried by the big institutions around me. Overnight, it seemed, I couldn't get access to anything. There was no credits. They took my credit cards away within a couple of months. I didn't even do anything bad yet. And um, then it, everything was cold, hard cash. Like basically, if I wanted suture for the OR or gowns for people to be in, or it, it was a nightmare. We started borrowing right and left from like any enemy I had. I didn't care. <laughs> even if you didn't like me, I'll take your money for 30% APR. Sure. Um, so the banks wow. were loaning. It was really rough. And, oh, did I mention I was four months pregnant with triplets? And through all of that struggle, which went on for a decade, uh, there were there are just some unfortunate things that you cannot predict or foresee. And it's a very um, uh, on the edge business. It's not unlike a restaurant that might be profitable, but you're literally walking a two to 10% margin if you're wildly successful. So one false move, one thing that goes unnoticed can be like a financial catastrophe. And it unfortunately happened a couple of times. Um, but because of that, we kept being creative. We kept being gifted. It always seemed like I know that God like did not take me this far to fail because miraculous things would happen along the way and doors would open that I never even would have looked at if I didn't so desperately need the money all the time to stay afloat. So one of those things um, was writing my book. So I wrote a book called Breast the Owner's Manual. And in 2017, I wrote it, it came out in 2018. And I would have written a book. I've always had it on the back burner, but I wanted the boys to go to college because I knew it was going to take all of me to write it. And I needed the money, so I shopped it around with a book agent and got the advance. So I needed the advance money to pay the rent. So I write this book and I go deep diving. I needed all of it to be truthful and accurate because I don't want to spread falsehood, number one. Two, I needed it to be bulletproof because I knew bullets would fly. and. Most importantly, I just always need to be right. Makes me delightful to be married to. So every time I wrote a fact in that book, every time, it didn't matter how many times I'd already said it, 80% of breast cancers are fueled by estrogen. Really? Maybe it's 82. Dive into the literature. So here I go, and this is the important part, to prove that the way I ate was correct. Yeah, I just dove into the science to prove with science that this way of eating, avoiding red meat and most processed meat and um, carbs <laughs> was my plan. <sighs> Blown away by the rock solid evidence in the nutritional science, which no MD ever gets, about how dangerous and deleterious to your cells eating animal protein and animal fat is. And on the flip side, how incredibly healthful and building up and uh, removing of all the toxicities that cancer and all killer diseases love, plants are. Mm -hmm. And after a few weeks of that, there was a single day, my kids came home from school and um, I ran downstairs, glad that they were still alive because I'd been pumping them with um, <laughs> processed organic chicken breast and um, like mozzarella sticks that day. And I really come to my absolute conclusion that the healthiest diet on planet Earth is clearly a whole food plant-based diet. So I run downstairs, I'm like, boys, boys, come here. They had just turned eight. They were a couple days over eight. 
and I run to the, they run to the fridge with me and I fling open the doors and I'm like, boys, we're going vegan. And they're like, yeah, what is vegan? <laughs> and, and that transformed my personal life and my professional life. I have so much more to offer women now when they're in that dark moment of being diagnosed and they're like, what? What, what do I do? What do I do differently? Everything I've been doing, thinking, saying, eating, got me to this moment, and this moment is cancer, and it's dark and it's scary, so how am I gonna emerge out of this moment changed? And many of you listening right now will probably agree and maybe have had this experience. You might ask your doctor that exact question, like, what can I do differently? And 99% of the time, the answer is, oh, honey, you did everything you were supposed to do. You just live your life. Right. Mm, really? Because I'm not trying to blame your lifestyle or anything on you. I'm just saying that was your wake-up moment. That was the pivotal moment where you say, hmm, maybe this cancer came not to kill me, but to change me. Is right. there something I need to learn that I need to do differently to make my life back to Africa more joyful. You know, I have a content marketing agency, which doesn't seem to fit, but the like health and happiness is so much a part of our core values that I wanted to share these stories. And the reason I started this podcast is because I was having um, like three, four years ago, really bad autoimmune symptoms. And I dove into research because right, the first thing that they do is like, here, take this steroid, that feels terrible. And I'm like, ah, this isn't working for me. And there's gotta be another way. And I found this doctor who ended up reversing her own lupus and had tested negative for lupus for 16 years and has helped others reverse their autoimmune like thousands of people through a whole food plant-based diet. So I just took these courses and like from one day to the next threw out all of my animal products and totally started to change um, my diet. The same cellular changes that occur that squelch the inflammation with autoimmune disease are the same ones that are going to stave off all of our killers. So there's cancer, of course, my focus, but heart disease, stroke, diabetes, obesity, Alzheimer's, dementia, they are all 90% of these diseases are truly diet and lifestyle related. They're caused by our choices. Every time you lift fork to mouth, what you eat or don't eat, think or don't think, do or don't do, drink or don't drink, all contributes this cellular microenvironment. So if you think of a cell, all the body's cells, sitting in a little bathtub, that bathtub, when you chew and swallow, you're swallowing down food that becomes broken down literally into molecules that then go into the bathtub water. So it's either like elevating estrogens, which fuel 80% of breast cancers, I was right about that stat, uh, increases growth hormone, in particular insulin-like growth factor, IGF-1 and creates angiogenesis, angio blood vessel genesis birth. So the birth of new blood flow. Every cancer of any subtype needs to create its own blood supply to bring itself its nutrients if it plans to grow beyond the tip of a ballpoint pen that size, a couple millimeters. It has to create blood flow. 
So those things happen whenever you chew and swallow animal protein and animal fat. That leads to a cascade of inflammation, DNA damage, free radical formation, ultimately impairing your immune system from seeking out and destroying deranged cells. And that power is so awesome because when what's on the end of your fork is a plant, is kale, is that avocado, this, the bathtub becomes anti all of that, anti-estrogen, lowers IGF-1, literally removes, destroys the angiogenesis of a tumor, takes away its blood flow, takes away its exit strategy out of, say, the breast into the liver or lung, those same blood vessels. And that is empowering. And I love that about being able to help women make changes. And they can be incremental. You don't have to do, do the dramatic fridge filling. One open. day, right? <laughs> We're going plant-based. Um, I do like saying plant-based more than vegan, although I might use the word vegan in that story. Um, just because uh, plant-based is really the way. You can eat Oreos and have beer and a bunch of French fries and highly processed cookies, cakes, and ice creams that are all vegan and it's junk food, right? Because it's not a whole food that comes from a plant. So it is more descriptive to say whole food plant-based. The big springboard then from the book was I realized, okay, I thought, okay, whew, now I did it. I wrote the book and I can reach these women across, and it's in 10 languages. Um, so it's all around the world and I can reach all of these women that I never would have, you know, met at the Pink Lotus Breast Center. And you know what? It wasn't good enough. What I realized is that people also crave community. So my husband and I created different types of communities, but it's all under this one heading. We call it Pink Lotus Power Up. And it is such a fun, interactive, amazing group of thousands of women all over the world. There are many different ways to connect and learn. It's filled with blogs and educational tools. I have my Cancer Kicking Kitchen in there, which has interactive recipes and actually these like pop-ups that show you like turmeric. Well, why'd you put turmeric in that? Boom, and I give you like all the anti-inflammatory, um, anti-cancer, anti, -cancer, anti diabetic things that go along with certain ingredients so you really feel like you're you're chewing and swallowing down these weapons of health one of my favorite things um they used to be called funk buddies but then andy my husband helped me put it online and made it global and there are thousands of members now and it's such a beautiful thing and it was i i created it because of the the facts behind that lace study and that is like not everybody has a best friend not everybody has a family that they like but everyone can have a breast buddy so it's called breast buddies and you can find it at power up or just breastbuddies.com we'll go there and what it does is it's totally free all of the power up stuff is free you put in if you're newly diagnosed or if you've been there, done that. So we've got two sets of women. It's just for the breast cancer patient population. So you'll go in as a newly diagnosed woman and you'll say like 42 chemotherapy mastectomy, like if that's your plan, right? And brrr, like match.com for breasts, up will pop all the women who are plus or minus five years your age who did the things you checked off in the boxes that you're going to do. Oh, wow. And they're there because they want you to reach out. They want to become mm. a buddy, a, a source of some friendship and not true medical advice, but like the patient version of like, this is yeah. how you get through chemo sister. Like <laughs> these are the five things I took or did and it helps so much. And it just makes you feel supported and, and not alone in this journey, which even if you have a ton of friends, 
This is really pairing like with like, and there's something very important about that. You know, a lot of people say, hey, I had a mom or uh, a loved my sister or a loved one who had cancer or breast cancer. What can I do to put myself in the best position to prevent this? I love that question because that is now what my life is about answering. So if you think about scales, the scales of life and what you're doing, pushing you either toward cancer or away specifically, we'll talk breast for a second here. There are boulders that are like, they are so scientifically shown to be connected to the causation and promotion of breast cancer, to metastases, to a decreased survival if you've already had it and to getting it in the first place. That if you've got a boulder on your scale, it probably doesn't matter to pay too much attention to the pebbles because there's a boulder and it's already super tipped. So I'll tell you briefly both. So the four boulders that push you toward illness are going to be eating animal fat and eating animal protein. So eating a whole food plant-based diet is going to lift that boulder off the scale. Alcohol's on the scale. So more than a drink a day, you're definitely tipping your scale. Being overweight or obese, back to the estrogen connection and the aromatase enzyme I just mentioned. Where does it live? Everywhere you have a fat cell. So if you are in fact overweight or obese, you have more of the fat. And once you go through menopause, that becomes your main and only source of estrogen unless you're taking hormone replacement or eating a lot of animals which have estrogen in them. So aromatase, uh, takes adrenal gland steroids and turns them into estrogen and estrogen fuels 80% of our breast cancers. So here's the beautiful thing, losing weight loses the risk. People who are overweight or obese have 50 to 250% more breast cancer occurrence, recurrence, and death than those who are normal weight. The final boulder is going to be being sedentary, a lack of exercise. So. I always get, well, okay, but how much do I have to do? What is the bare minimum amount of exercise <laughs> to maximally reduce my breast cancer risk? And the answer is, if you can stay chatty and have a conversation like you're briskly walking, then I need five hours a week, or you do. And if you're super sweaty, like, I can't talk to you right now because I'm working so hard, uh, two and a half hours a week. So those are your minimum targets. But hey, if that's like, the holy grail and the equivalent of like running a double marathon to you um just take it slow and keep your goals achievable and that might mean five minutes like halfway around the block you got to turn around and go back that's fine shower off and come back tomorrow because you will increase your endurance don't get ever get discouraged every little bit helps another one everyone will agree with it's a little bit on the invisible side of life, but it's there and it's emotional stress. It's not just the big like hammers that hit you over the head, like the death of a loved one, mm -hmm. including a pet or a divorce um, or the loss of a job, one of these major life stressors. It's the chronicity of the little stressors of your potential tendency to get irate in traffic or freak out because you're late. Every action and and reaction is a choice. And we need to make smarter, less stressful choices because this has been studied um, that stress absolutely doesn't, it, I looked at all the literature, there's no real study I can point to that proves that elevated chronic stress increases breast cancer risk, but I can tell you that it has been tied to a number of other killer diseases and just bad things. So um, there's no question that 
being chronically stressed raises things like C-reactive protein and interleukins, and these are inflammatory markers that, again, push the cells toward being deranged. Um, endocrine disruptors, we just are barraged all day long by chemicals we don't even know are there, but there are some that we do know are there. So to the degree that you're willing and able to buy organic, to next time you're in the market for a new couch or a new mattress, have it be also made from organic materials. Um, phthalates in our makeup, so look at your cosmetics and see if there's parabens in your body lotion or your shampoos, like all of those things. Um, contribute in small but very repetitive ways um, to all of us, you know, EDCs, endocrine disrupting compounds act like hormones in your body. They can act like any number of them. I'm talking about estrogen because it's breast cancer stuff, but they can act like thyroid hormone. It can act like insulin. So to the degree that you can control your environment at home, at work, in the car, you want to do that. Prevention doesn't exist. I mean, I can't say like, boom, there, I did A, like A, B, and C, I prevented it. The way you can be like, bingo, I got five in a row. Right. Um, it's not that definitive. You won't know until the end of your life if you successfully avoided or prevented breast cancer. But along the way, you can absolutely maximally reduce its impact. What, what should women be doing to stay healthy from the perspective of like, right, we know we should be doing those like, self-breast exams, but anything we should be keeping an eye out for, um, you know, as we're going through life? Certainly, as, you, as it pertains to breast cancer, when you, I have a video, we can, we can put it as a link um, that I made. It's like four and a half minutes, easybreastexam.com should get you there. Um, it's all on our website in the power-up section in, in the educational part. But I made this video all about how to do a good self-breast exam because a lot of women just simply don't know and it wigs them out to even think about touching their breasts because everything just feels lumpy and bumpy and scary. Mm -hmm. So what you want to do is make it a very methodical thing that you do once a month. If you're still having your periods at seven days after you bleed, that's when your breasts are least tender and least lumpy and you wanna be consistent when you do it in your cycle, so one week after your period. Or if you don't bleed anymore, you would just do it on the first of the month and kind of check it off your calendar. So have a look at the video to learn, but one of the things to watch out for is just visual change. Like be aware of your breasts. Every once in a while when you get out of the shower, just stand there for a second and stare at your breasts because they should be the same size and shape that they always were. Uh, there shouldn't be any thickness or redness to the skin, any dimpling in of the skin. Wherever your nipple points, it should still point. If it's always been in any, it should still be in, but a change in the nipple is a problem if it's getting flatter or inverted, especially on one side. Any lump you feel, obviously, but lumps also in the armpit, which would be a lymph node issue. So learn how to do a good self-breast exam and just start without the intention of like having to understand anything, like do it for six months, maybe right after your doctor checks you or you have your imaging for the year so that you're, um, you feel like, okay, I don't have cancer. So this is how my breast feels without cancer. And after about six months, after about six times of doing it, you will develop this unconscious memory of like, oh, it's always thicker right there. Oh, it always hurts a little bit when I touch right there. And then, God forbid, if anything is ever truly different, you won't wonder. You'll be like, oh, that was not there last time. I better have my doctor check this out. Hmm. In addition to self-breast exam, oh, mammograms are so controversial. And 
the different societies out there say so many different and confusing things. Start at 40, no, start at 50, go every year, go every other year, stop at 74, never stop. So I advocate for mammography in normal risk women to begin at age 40 and you don't stop or skip years until you plan to die in the next 10 years, which is obviously hard to predict. But believe me, there are ladies who are like 85 and they're on oxygen from their lung disease and I, we can stop the mammogram. Why? Not because I don't care if a cancer develops, but it's never going to kill her. So it's actually better not to know about it because now you're going to subject yourself to surgery, radiation, all these things that aren't going to save your life or extend it because you're going to die from your lung disease or whatever, you know? Mm. So that's the recommendation on mammo. If you're dense breasted, if you have implants, if you've had a history of chest radiation from like a lymphoma, at any point in your life. We need to up the ante with your surveillance. Everybody with dense breasts or one of those other things or a gene mutation needs screening ultrasound. And I like to space that six months away from the mammogram so your breasts are getting imaged twice a year and not just once. If you're at particularly high risk defined as a 20% or greater chance in your life, then I add MRI in there. And if you're really high risk, like a BRCA mutation carrier, I'll probably do MRI every year. But if you're just elevated risk in the 20%, 20 to 30% range, I'll do MRI every two to three years. We, I just individualize it because everything has its uh, cons. So that's it. Self-breast exams, clinical exams with your doctor once a year, and then mammo beginning at 40 for normal risk. If you're dense breasted or have other risk factors, add in the ultrasound. And if you're way higher risk, above 20%, then add the MRI in every so often. Okay, great information. Um, lastly, I definitely wanna spend a little more time talking about the summit. I know you briefly touched on that, but tell me why you decided to start the summit, um, You know who it's for and what happens. Yes, so the summit is for all women and men, although the room is definitely mostly women. A lot of husbands do pop in and out and then go golf or something, but um, it's definitely uh, meant for every woman. It's not about you have cancer and now let me talk to you about surgery, radiation, anti, like I don't talk about the treatment of breast cancer during the summit. It's a deep dive into exploring all of the things that I've learned over the years, definitely contribute to illness or health, depending on your choice. So it's really empowering. We get deep into thinking. So why you think what you think. We talk about self-talk. Um, and I always, at the end of each section, leave people with strategies because it's useless to get fired up about something and then go home and be like, I don't know what to do. Like I, <laughs> right. I'm still negative in my thinking. How do I change that? Um, so it's very action oriented. So the summit is just all about you and diving into how you think, how you move, how you sleep, how you don't eat, by the way, fasting is a huge section that I dive into and how to fast, how to fast intelligently so that your cells are rejuvenated. It's all about, um, the longer term fasting is all about cell rejuvenation and cell repair so that your immune system has the opportunity to seek out and destroy these senescent, lazy, old, dying, deranged, cancerous, plaque forming cells. Um, so fasting is a huge component to your lasting health. 
and social relationships, love, community. We talk about that, forgiveness, holding on to anger, resentment, the past, the future, like the sources. We talk about meditation and how that is such a useful role. And we learn it. We learn meditation if you're a newbie. Um, so I just encourage everybody to, to come. It's just like an amazing getaway, but you can also do it virtually online. I created it um, as, you know, you can just view it at your discretion, click into certain trees and things like I want to hear what she has to say about learning. There's a learning tree that I love that challenges you to take on new capabilities and it lays down new neuron pathways in your brain. And that's ultimately what it's all about. We're not living if we're not thinking like, I mean, not to get too Descartes about it all, but I think therefore I am. It comes down to brain health. It's just a magical time. Awesome. Well, tell everyone how they can learn more about you, the summit, find you online, social media, all the things. So at Dr. Christy Funk with a DR. So at Dr. Christy Funk is my social handle. Pinklotus.com will bring you to the main page where you can then jump into either Power Up, which has the kitchen and the summit and all the chat groups and breast buddies into the breast center. If you ever want to meet with me, I do plenty of virtual and Zoom consultations as well. Um, and into elements. So Pink Lotus Elements, is, we haven't talked about that. Ah, that was also part of my journey uh, through the adversity, like creating things. I'm like, okay, I've been listening to women for so long with all of their problems. Like I need a safe solution for hot flashes, night sweats, vaginal dryness, decreased libido, aching joints, like all of these things. And then all of the surgical journey with like, this brazu diet, it's itching, it's poking me, and the drain has no place to hold. Like I've been listening all of these years and trying to find solutions out in the world. And we've come up with so many now. It's called Pink Lotus Elements. It's our online women's health store. It's uh, It ships to over 30 countries. And we have vetted, all, we've done all the hard work and research for you. Everything of course is vegan and plant-based if, um, if it is a supplement. Many of them have randomized controlled trials behind them. A couple of my favorites are Menopause Miracle because it I, that took me 17 years to find. I, I looked at everything, you know, black cohosh, all of it, Shadavari. I looked at every herb, every everything under the sun. And finally, this unique blend of three Asian herbs has been studied in randomized controlled trials where they drew estrogen levels in all the women. It doesn't elevate estrogen, doesn't signal estrogen pathways. It doesn't interfere with liver metabolism of medications, like especially if you're a cancer patient of your tamoxifen or whatever. And most importantly, it works, not just on like hot flashes, but the whole Kupferman index. It's called the 12 major misery signs of menopause like mental fog itchy skin thinning hair and hot flashes night sweats vaginal dryness decreased libido all of it the other favorite of mine for my drinkers out there who are like okay she said red wine i'm gonna do i'm gonna have my i'm still having my red wine um the main pathway by which alcohol any type uh, causes any cancer is it inhibits an enzyme called MTHFR, which sounds like a bad word, but it stands for methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. And it converts folic acid from your vitamins or folate from your leafy greens into its active form, which is really what you need. And that's methylfolate that babysits the DNA as it divides. So if you drink, you knock out that enzyme, which by the way, 30 to 50% of people already have a sub optimal 
MTHFR, which is a blood test you can do to if you're wondering. But um, you usually front load with enough folate um, that it doesn't matter, like you're making your methylfolate. But then you drink and boom, it's gone for the day. So we have a supplement that my nutraceutical guru uh, formulated for me. It is brilliant. It has a very, very bioavailable form of methylfolate. So you just swallow down the supplement that has what you're missing today but it also has b6 and b12 which all three become glutathione in your body which is the most powerful antioxidant we know of and it has a number of botanicals that are specifically there to protect and support your liver as it detoxes alcohol and it enhances glucose metabolism so you don't get so fat from the calories so cosmo companion is another favorite there um, but just check it out. There's so many smart, intelligent things. It's not kitschy with like ribbon earrings and things like that. It's very dedicated to making the journey of life as a woman with or without cancer easier and safer. I love this. I mean, you are like a wealth of knowledge and you have so many resources. I'm excited to check it all out. <laughs> Dr. Funk, is there anything else you wanted to add before we go? Oh, what do I want to add? Yeah, I'll just say one thing, and that is I, when I was a resident, I had this moment where I was doing a liver resection and the attending, right before I did this really critical move, like you have 20 minutes and if it doesn't go well, like the patient can die on the table. So I was about to start this big 20 minute move. It was like my first liver resection and I was doing all by myself, although he was standing right there. And he like hit me hard <laughs> with a clamp on my hand. And I like looked up and I was like, what? He's like, hey, you're doing one thing right now. One thing. Do it right. For the record, I wasn't going to do it wrong. But <laughs> that was so powerful to me. It impacted the rest of my thinking for the rest of my life. Just that one sentence, because it really hit me. Like, why would you do it wrong when you can do it right? And so I'd like to encourage all your listeners to think about your life that way. You've got this one shot, this one bullet to fire called life. So why would you do it wrong when you could do it right? I love that. Do you think whoever said that to you knows the impact that it has on you? I think he does because I, um, I it was in the an article that I was uh, in Los Angeles Magazine and I was like, on the cover of it one year and it was in the big article and I sent it to him and circled it and I said that. so he knows. I'm I, sure. love yeah. I love that because I feel like we all have those moments where somebody says something very poignant and it like sticks with us and like affects the way we think and oftentimes I think those people don't know so that's cool that he does awesome this has been an amazing conversation like I learned so much in an hour that <laughs> I didn't realize I was going to learn. So I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you. There's plenty of time to get your tickets, more information about the summit, which is in October, or attend virtually and all of the other resources that Dr. Funk has on her website. Again, all of those links are below in the show notes. So make sure you connect with her, learn more about her. She's truly a wealth of knowledge and I so enjoyed our conversation. And hey, if you haven't already, make sure you connect with me as well. I don't know why not because you know we come back with new episodes each and every week and I'd hate for you to miss out. So find me on all the places. You can find me LinkedIn, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, 
I'm there. So I know I'll see you back next week. But until then, stay happy, stay healthy.